Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports Station. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now. I love going over highlights. Bump, it doesn't matter who is playing. It gets the heart rate going. It gets the people moving. It's provocative, just like your Super Bowl halftime take. Mm. We had multiple texters. Shannon Dreher just Shannon came Dreher in here. walking into the studio <laughs> being like, sir, we need to have a conversation. She just sunned me like, listen, Let me tell son. you what. Nothing more controversial than halftime takes, but that's not what we're doing right now. What we're doing is going over the plays of the game to talk about what we saw. Let's start with the first touchdown of the game. It's on the Eagles' first possession. Hurts' quarterback sneak. Got to go for it. Surging forward is Hurts. No signal yet. There's a penalty flag in the middle of that. Offside defense. And so there you go. It is a touchdown. Curtis, I'm going to call you out a little bit on this one. Not in a bad way, but I think that you share an opinion with a lot of people. There was some pushing on this one. It's not against There's the rule. pushing it's, on the Eagles. It's not against the rule to have pushing. You just can't have pulling, but you think that that could be, like, outlawed. Well, especially considering the success rate that the Eagles have had this year in, in quarterback sneaks. Uh, I don't think the NFL and other teams are going to stand for it much longer. Bump what you see. After this game. Philly is 34 of 38 on the year for quarterback sneaks. I can't believe it. Are they so good that the NFL has to do something about it? That's what I hate. It's like the, it, it really felt unstoppable. They felt uns- anytime it was a quarterback sneak, it was like done. They're doing it. Mm-hmm. It's not even close. But what's lame is like, so NFL, are you going to make a rule just to stop a team from being good at what they're good at? Because they've managed to find a loophole or just do it so effectively and just push everyone forward. It's not against the rule. I don't think they, if they don't outlaw it, they're just going to um, police it extremely well, hard next year. what's going to count is pushing. Yeah. Right? Uh, all right. Well, that's that. We'll have another Hurts touchdown in here. Let's get to Mahomes, who finds Travis Kelsey to tie it up. Seven all in the first quarter. Kelsey at the bottom is going to come in a little short motion. Mahomes looking that way, throwing that way. Kelsey got it. Touchdown. Travis Kelsey with a phenomenal route on safety. Marcus Epps for the Eagles. That's on second and eight for the touchdown. No, that was great, man. Kelsey on that drive had a catch for 20 yards. Mahomes scrambles for A. Pacheco gets 20. But who do you go to when it's time to put points on the board? You go to Travis Kelsey. 18 yards. Love the matchup. Start him outside. Emotion him inside. Get him on the safety. He goes to work. It's a wrap. Here's what I, here's what I love about our next play. Not only is it uh, outside of the punt return the most explosive play of the game, but I think it challenges some preconceived notions about Jalen Hurts. Here's Hurts with a 45-yard touchdown to A.J. Brown. Hurts. As all day, loaded up, taking a shot, looking for A.J. Brown. He's got it! Touchdown! Now, um, Brown did beat out Trent McDuffie, go Docs. Uh, but there was really nothing McDuffie could do. This was an example of who's got the better player. Yeah, A.J. Brown's is bigger and better. What he does, he attacks Duffy. There's actually safety help over there. What A.J. does, around 15 yards, he puts his left foot in the ground. He attacks the safety, widens the safety out, snaps back to the corner. Now McDuffie is underneath trying to locate the football. A.J. Brown is a better player. It's just, just bad news, bad news. All right, this is someone I thought might put his name in for Super Bowl MVP if he were able to get another score. His first was still pretty impressive. Jalen Hurts fumbles. Linebacker Nick Bolton for the Chiefs with the scoop and score. Hurts on a quarterback draw. Nowhere to go. The ball is loose. Sitting on the turf. It's picked up by Bolton. No one in front of him is going to score. 
if you don't have that score from Bolton, this mm. game feels a little more out of hand in the first half. Yeah, it does. I felt extremely bad for our guy Hurts. But that's what happened. Ball security, two hands on that thing. Nothing really happened. The ball just slips out of his hand. Right place, right time. Bolton got the three for one. He got the strip sacks. He got the fumble recovery. And he got the touchdown. Great play by that so, young man. Did you really say go dogs after the dog on Burt? Yeah. <laughs> Got yeah, yeah, I did. You got to. It's just, just you don't have a choice. Jalen Hurts had three rushing touchdowns. Here was his second. Now Hurts on the keep. Has a seam, and Jalen Hurts is in for the touchdown. Jason Kelsey, you talked about him a lot. Great block on this one. Kelsey is probably the best center in the game. I heard Brock Hewitt say he might be the best center of all times. He's so good that I made my kids not follow the football. And I say, watch the center right here. Watch him go to work. Kelsey is dominant, man. Great football player. Uh, All right. Well, this was the moment, Bump. This was the moment where I thought this game was over. Third and 15. Four-man rush. Mahomes in trouble. Mahomes now going to tuck it and run. And he is taken down. T.J. Edwards came to get him. And Mahomes is slow getting up. Oh, boy. I don't know if Mahomes wasn't hurt as badly as he thought or if he just got some real good drugs from the Chiefs <laughs> staff. But either way, he was able to get back out there. That looked really bad. I mean, he couldn't even walk off. He leaned his head on a uh, trainer, part of the medical staff. Like, he looked like he was screaming in pain. Yeah, looking at his body language, I'm like, yeah. he might be done for the rest of the game. I thought it might be broken. But sometimes you get caught up in that moment. You feel the pain. You got to get through it. Some people are more emotional than others. Pat Mahomes seemed like he might be on that end, but he came back Yeah, and played well. Didn't matter. Well, uh, for right now in the game, he is back in here, but it's not Patrick Mahomes who gets the touchdown. It's Pacheco. Tenth play of the drive here for Kansas City. Pacheco right up the gun and in. Touchdown. Uh, both Pacheco and, uh, God, what's his name? Gainwell. Uh, you've, yeah. you've been really a fan of both running backs later round picks by both of these teams. Well, was Gainwell a pick or was he undrafted? No, it was a pick. I think he was like fifth or sixth yeah, round either way. pick. Yeah, both these guys, because they run like they snuck in the league. They run like they are hungry. They are starving. They want to finish things, man. And that's what I love about Pacheco. He finishes every mm-hmm. single run in Gainwell as well. All right, two of my favorite plays. Let's get started with this one. Kadarius, Tony, what a great acquisition from the Giants with a touchdown from Mahomes to make it 28-27. Good throw. Tony's got it. Tony walks in. Touchdown, Kansas City. This one had NFL Twitter a buzz bump. What did you see? Man, it's all about understanding how the defense is going to react when you do things. Andy Reid said, look, we catch these guys and man. If we motion, we show them that just sweep type of look or that shallow type of look, they're going to have to communicate and pass things off. And what they do is you get that outside guy in motion, you put them right behind the slot where that's no man's lane. That's the gray area. Boom, you send them back into the flat. Unless communication is perfect on the defensive end, there's going to be space. Yeah. That's exactly what we saw. It was amazing. And guess what? They're going to run it again. But first, Tony with the long punt return. Just the second punt of the day from Philadelphia. Here's Sipos. Low sinking kick. Tony on the run. Still up on his feet. Tony has a wall. It's another block. Tony inside the 20. Tony still going and he's down to the five. 
guys know that viral video of that little kid who was a zombie and he was interviewed at like a Halloween festival and he just said, I like turtles. That's how I feel yeah. about punt returns. Like I realized in this moment, I was like, I like punt returns. Punt returns are dope. <laughs> punt returns are great. And the thing about this one is it was designed to go left. He goes left. There's nothing there. He slips a little bit like everyone did last night in the Super Bowl. And then he goes to the right, finds some blocking, gets to the sideline. The thing about pump returns are the ones, typically the bigger pump returns, are the ones where chaos happens, where you don't go to your wall. You drop the football at first, then you pick it up. When there is chaos on pump mm-hmm. returns, you get returns like this. 65 yards, the longest pump return in Super Bowl history. Finally, the Chiefs able to take a lead in the fourth quarter with this touchdown to receiver Sky Moore. Blitz coming. Mahomes, man wide open. Touchdown, Chiefs. It's Sky Moore. Was this the same play as the Tony touchdown on the other side or a bit different? Same exact play. <laughs> same thing. <laughs> run, it, run it back. Different personnel. Same like, play. Why not? Just in, in same play within the same quarter. That's mm-hmm. important. It's not later in the game. They were like, let's do it again. Yeah. Next time we're in the red zone, let's just do it again. Why not? Yeah. It's just absolutely amazing. Uh, all right. We still got more here, uh, including plenty from Hertz. Let's start with this deep pass to Devonta Smith. Hurts has some time going deep. Got a man, Devontae Smith. He's got it. He is out of bounds at the one. It would have been a touchdown, except for Smith had so much momentum as he was kind of running toward the sideline that he couldn't pull himself back in. Can't blame him. Still an amazing catch. And Hurts continued to impress me all day. There was another pass to Goddard that was fantastic that we don't have. Um, but, I mean, he had he had passes to, uh, obviously, his top two receivers and then his tight end that were just amazing and really, really forcing people to question their own assumptions about him as just a mobile quarterback or him as a true dynamic threat. Yeah, him just being a mobile quarterback, that's... Um... Don't bring that up no more. He did it at the, yeah. on the highest level in front of everybody, 300 yards. That was a 46-yard bomb to Smith. Smith is fading to the football. You are taught to leave room on the sideline for that fade. It keeps you away from the defender, even though Smith was wide open. But you're right, momentum just took him a little bit. And then you kind of lose where you are on the field. Your job is to secure the bag. First, secure the bag. Get what you can after that. Momentum took him out of bounds. Hurts with four touchdowns on the day, including his third rushing touchdown. First and goal. They try to shove Hurts over the end zone, waiting for a signal. He's in. Touchdown, Eagles. And now they have to go for two for the tie, you would think. And they do. One of my favorite, favorite betting terms. It's the octopus. Hurts looking for a block. And he gets there. He's in. We're tied in Super Bowl 57. Hurts accounts for all eight points on this score. Man, Hurts. First is a quarterback sneak. Was that the sneak play that he scored on? Uh, no, that ooh. was like earlier. That was earlier. Anyway, this one was like a, I don't know. Anyway, he, uh, <laughs> it was more of a draw play. It was a two-yard run. Yeah, there we go. So I don't it, what it wasn't was. a sneak, yeah. wasn't he? He ran, ran, ran it up in there. Yeah. But um, that just shows how dynamic he is. He hits you on a 46-yard bomb, and then he goes, you know what, coach? Call my number. Let's let's uh, punch this thing in. You know what I was hoping for? And my son, my middle son, Kobe, said this, and I said it on four down on Friday. He goes, Dad. What if they do the Philly special right now? I was I go, really hoping for I love it. you for that, son. You are locked in. <laughs> Take notes. Let's see what they do right here. Would have loved it. Would have loved it. That was actually a prop bet that at least that, that one of the two quarterbacks, if not both, would would have a reception. Mm-hmm. Didn't end up happening, unfortunately. But one of them did have a big run. In fact, Bump, you had this as one of your major plays that really turned this game. Mahomes with a long run on a bad angle. Mahomes. In trouble, gets away. Mahomes racing with the bad angle at all. Inside the 20, he's taken down. Somehow, Patrick Mahomes. 
takes the Chiefs inside the red zone around the two-minute warning. It's obviously impactful for that reason, but Bump, you had it as one of your most important plays. Man, one of the biggest plays. You don't want quarterbacks to escape up the gut. They go up the A gap, the B gap, right up the middle. There's space and opportunity. You want them to get wide. This is going to go down as one of Pat Mahomes' greatest performances. We talked yeah. about last week with him doing what he did on a bum ankle. Now he did it again with a 20-plus yard run. I saw that happen. I go, the football gods love them some Pat Mahomes, and they're probably going to win this ball game. Big play there. And Bump is speaking as someone who's had this injury, too, a conversation we've been having in the two weeks leading up to the Super Bowl that you just could not believe that he was out there, not only for the AFC Championship, but back in for this one when it, you were like, this is like a six-week minimum yeah. kind of recovery, and you still feel bad. Uh, all right, let's talk about the final three impactful plays. Uh, we're going to start with maybe the most controversial. In fact, what do I mean maybe? Of course the most controversial. <laughs> James Bradbury, cornerback for the Eagles, called for holding. Mahomes, pressure, lofting one, end zone incomplete. Juju Smith-Schuster couldn't catch up. There's a flag at the 10. Hang on, there's a penalty. Prior to the pass, holding, number 24, defense, 5 penalty. I think on this stage... I, I think you let him play. Obviously, Mahomes thought he saw just it changes the entire complexion of how this classic game is going to end. If you grab any part of the jersey, even a tiny, tiny tug, it does count as a foul for holding. So by the book, this is a foul. Uh, however, there was a lot of criticism over whether or not it should have been called at all. Here's the thing. If it's a foul, it should be called. All I'm saying is if you're going to make that call, then we're not going to have a fluid football game ever because whenever a DB is in man, they are taught to grab, they are taught to pull, and that's what they do. Mm-hmm. As long as you don't see a, a receiver doing a 360 or something like that and you're just impeding his progress severely, you got to let this thing go. And I'm looking at the zebras. I'm like, why now, man? Then you look at the football. That thing was seven, eight yards ahead of Juju. Yeah. He wasn't going to get that. No. So I understand the call. It is the right call. Let me emphasize. It's the right call, whether you agree or not. Now, the human factor says it's a Super Bowl. It didn't stop him. Let those dudes play. That's what uh, irritates me about that. I saw a lot of people saying, what about five yards? The five yard from scrimmage rule. Still I think it's further. Yeah, you still can't do it. No. And also, I think he might have been even a little further. You can get that. physical for sure. Yeah, you but can't you can't pull, pull on a jersey. No. But uh, but you're right. And with 154 remaining, that's the game. Mm-hmm. That's it. It'd be one thing if you had 230 and then they get downs and you still give the Eagles you know, 35 seconds or 40 seconds. But that was it. Butker makes a field goal with eight seconds remaining to make it 38-35. Butker up. Got it. Final play. The Eagles' only chance to respond with eight seconds is going to have to be a Hail Mary. This one falls short, though. Here we go. Hurts. As all day. Now some rushers come. Going to throw it as far as his arm can take it, which is well short. And the Kansas City Chiefs have won Super Bowl 57. Plan was on that one. I feel like Hertz has a bigger arm than that. Maybe there was a miscommunication, or they were just like, just chuck it, and it just happened to go that far. Yeah, he only threw it 50 yards. Yeah. I can throw it 50 yards right now, but uh, I think maybe it got ball got away from him or something. Yeah. We know that he can throw it further than that. Um, you know, too bad it went down that way, but Kansas City is a good football team. So was Philly. Great game overall. All right, let's get to some X's and O's. That was the highlights and plays from this game. This hour of Bump and Stacey is brought to you by Advanced Hair Restoration. It's time for Four Down Territory. This is Four Down Territory. Going inside, inside the, the game. game with former Seahawks and Coug wide receiver Michael Bumpus. First down, how were the Chiefs able to turn things around in the second half? The first thing they did is they got physical. All right, they, they ran sure the ball did. six times that first drive coming out of the uh, halftime in the third quarter. Four straight runs to start the third quarter. 
Who would you say is the most violent player on offense for the Chiefs? Skill player. Violent skill player. Uh, I'm not going to guess Kelsey, am I? Nah, it's Pacheco all day. Pacheco. And yeah. they gave him the rock, and they let him finish his runs. They decided to be physical coming out in that second half, and then the supporting cast got involved. We saw Sky Moore. We saw Juju had five catches in that, that second half. Tony got involved with a touchdown and a return. To start the game, it was Kelsey. Like, we're going to lean on Kelsey. We're going to lean on Pat Mahomes. But then when it was time to make some adjustments, you go on at halftime, you establish the run early, you play physically on offense, and on defense, and then the supporting cast gets involved. Those are the adjustments that Andy Reid made in that second half. Unreal. Second down. All right, let's talk about someone on the other side of things. What impressed you most about Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts? The way he was composed and threw that football. There were two throws to Goddard that were amazing to me. Yeah. There's one on third and nine. He's running towards the sideline. Hurts puts the ball low and away. There's a linebacker running with Goddard. Boom, that's on third and nine. He goes and gets it. That same drive, he goes back to Goddard on third and 15 on a quarter route, puts it up high where only he can get it. Now, Goddard does a great job getting his feet down. Hurts puts it in a great spot. He completed 77% of his passes in the first half. Guess what, Robbie Gold? He was a quarterback, all right? He went on a 12-play, 75-yard drive after the fumble. He carried his football team. He also rushed for three touchdowns. Only other person to rush for three touchdowns in the Super Bowl is Terrell Davis. So he's the only quarterback to do it. He's the second player to do that as well. He did everything he could to put his team in position to win. Made the throws, made the runs. Just made a mistake that bit him in the butt later. Now, I don't think that uh, Chris Sims was in hot water for this take or really necessarily like horribly wrong. I mean, it's just a take that you could argue for or against. He said that being quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles right now is one of the easiest quarterback jobs, easier quarterback jobs in the NFL. Not Nothing's easy um, because they have the number one offensive line, the number one defensive line, so many great receivers. You know what I mean? A great run game. However... I think one thing that stands out is that Jalen Hurts might have been the best part of the Eagles through much of this game. He was the best part. He was the best part. And I hope Sims is saying the same thing when it comes to Brock Purdy and the 49ers. And I hope he didn't bump for Brock Purdy for Offensive Rookie Player of the Year. All right, third down. As usual, the skill players will get love and glory. But tell me about the Chiefs offensive line. The Chiefs offensive line handled the best defensive line in the game. This team had 70 sacks. They had none against a hobble Patrick Mahomes. They averaged six tackles for uh, six tackles for loss per game. They had one last night. Now, there was pressure. Pat Mahomes was in the pocket, and they were so close to getting him down, so close to getting the jersey, but somehow Pat Mahomes found a way to, to get out that pocket, scramble, and make plays. That was impressive to me. That offensive line handled this defensive line. Four guys with 10 sacks throughout the regular season, 10-plus sacks throughout the regular season, and they did not get their hands on Patrick Mahomes. We talked about this on Friday. The game was going to be won and lost in the trenches, Mm -hmm. and the Chiefs' offensive line was better than one of the best defensive lines in the game in Philly. That's how they won that football game. One tackle for loss. These guys averaged six per game. They had five or six of those things against the Niners. It was very impressive what this offensive line did to Philly in that D-line. That remains maybe the most wild stat coming out of this one. There's a lot to take away from it. Great performances from either quarterback, um, obviously good offensive line play, but that a team that had that went into this game with uh, Curtis, was it the third most ever in the modern era? I know the 85 Bears and maybe another Bears team might have yeah, been ahead of them. 84 Bears and 85 Bears. Only two teams, one franchise, two teams that had more sacks in a season than Philadelphia heading into this one. I could yeah. not believe that stat, and I didn't even realize it until the game was over. And they had no sacks this game. None. None. Impressive. Four, fourth down. 
All right, this is the one I teased for you guys. Let's talk about it. Where did the brilliance of Andy Reid shine the most for you? Man, it was beautiful. So what happened? They ran a jet sweep to Sky Moore. Only got four yards. But now this defense is worried about the jet sweep. That's the first thing they did. So now they're communicating. Whenever you see a guy going in motion, they're talking about that jet sweep. And then what do they do? They run a jet sweep look, and then they leak Tony out to the the side he just Mm -hmm. was motioning from. Easy touchdown. Boom. You do it again. Sky Moore is going to do it this time. So you know what? Running back, other side. Let's do it with a different play. Sky Moore does the same thing. Shows the motion. Is it going to be a jet sweep? Nope. He fakes it. Goes back into the flat. Bam. Easy touchdown. So then on that play, the most controversial play of the game with Juju Smith-Schuster. He shows that defense that same thing. All right, we're going into motion. Third guy doing this now. Yeah. We're going into motion. I'm going to show you that that Jess Sweep look. But you know I'm getting back out to the flats. Boom. He goes back out to the flat. Instead of staying in the flat, boom, now he's running a wheel. I'm like, Andy Reid, goodness gracious. And Bradbury was like, I got beat. I got to grab and, him. And Bradbury said, look, I know he's going out to the flat. If Juju Smith-Schuster just goes out to the flat, even if he's holding him, the refs aren't going to call anything. Yeah. But Andy Reid knows, look, these guys are going to jump on everything now. So now I'm going to send him out, give him the same look, and now we are going to run a wheel. I don't. Even if Bradbury didn't hold, he was beat on that play, yes. I believe. Yes. And we'll see if the ball was going to be perfect or not. But that's the brilliance of Andy Reid and the enemy. They're throwing jabs. So you just sweep. So you just sweep flat. Jet sweeps flat. Then to win the game, I'm going to show you jet sweep flat. Turn that thing into a wheel. I stood up and looked at my boys. I go, that was beautiful, man. That's patience. That's experience right there from Andy Reid. He's one of the best play callers to ever do this. It was beautiful to watch. Is that, are, Did the Chiefs remain the most impressive offense to you in terms of pure, uh, like, Gameplay, uh, play calling, it's trick che- plays. Chiefs anything. and Niners. Chiefs, Chiefs and, and Niners. Niners, oh, Niners do some things, man, where I'm like, come on, dude. I've never seen that before. There was a play that the Niners ran, and the technique of their guards were something I've never seen before. I was watching the game with Big Ray. I go, Big Ray, you see that? And we had to rewind it. He goes, I've never seen that technique before. What was the one they did against the Seahawks? Do you guys remember? They did something where it the was. The Niners? Like, yeah. Yeah, they did it a was double the game fake, here. Toss left, yes. toss right. Yes. Then they leaked George oh. Kittle right the middle of the field. It was amazing and awful Beautiful. at the same time. I hated it and I loved it. Again, this hour of Bump and Stacey is brought to you by Advanced Hair Restoration. Someone correctly predicted everything that would happen mm. in this Super Bowl and also an NBC Sports Philly reporter has a complete breakdown on air. That's next. This is the timeline with Bump and Stacey. Brought to you by 1 800 DUIOA. It is the timeline on Bump and Stacy. We are reading you the top stories you're going to see on your own timeline and in many cases here, like this cut of Nate Burleson during the pregame show for CBS. It's our first story here. He correctly predicted the final score of Super Bowl. If I had to bet on one man, I would bet on Andy Reid. I do believe he is going to coach his best game that we've ever seen. It will be creative. It will be fun. It will be explosive. I have the Chiefs winning this 38-35. First of all, wow. and Patrick Mahomes will be the MVP. Little sounds from the, mm. the thing. But uh, 38-35, that never happens. I said, like, for all of the score predictions that people do for every single pregame show uh-huh. everywhere, how often do you get 38-35, Patrick Mahomes' MVP, I'm betting on the Chiefs, in a game in which the Eagles were favored by many sports bettors? It's extremely rare. It's so rare that people question if Nate Burleson had the NFL script that's been going around um, as of late, it's so rare. I texted my guy and said, you must be a part of the Illuminati, man. Like, what how, did how did you get this? He goes, nah, bro. 
Thanks, though. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's, just, that's just a great call we by Nate. You. Yeah, I don't believe you at all. It's Nate. now canon that Nate Burleson is part of the Illuminati. Also, well, he got the scoop that Rihanna is pregnant. Yes, because Rihanna told him on the podcast interview during the first episode of his new podcast that uh, she would have maybe a special guest or maybe mm-hmm. she would have an extra guest. And everyone spent the entire week going, who's the guest going to be? Who's the guest going to be? It's her baby. It's her baby. I wonder if she told him off air to like yeah it's it's my in the my interview child. if they recorded said, in person yeah it's probably hard for her to hide well he's well she had like this big coat on because they had the video version of it i was talking oh in his in, for the podcast yeah so yeah. she had like a big coat on for it and uh anytime she's been spotted she's been like just with big oversized things but he said are you gonna tell me you know like after the interview she said no <laughs> <laughs> why would i do that then it won't be a surprise so who knows? I'm going to say he knew. Just, I'm just going to say he's well connected. All right. Well, uh, lots of people had fun for this one. Chiefs fans certainly celebrating. I see one back in our control room with Taylor Jacobs. Congratulations on your Chiefs. But a lot of people in Philly, in fact, everyone in Philly, really upset this morning. There was that one guy in the viral video breaking his TV. I'm still convinced that was fake. I think that that might have just yeah, been to get to be. like hits. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't believe it at all. But uh, someone else got really, really upset. This also was on camera. NBC Sports Philly, Michael Barkin said this. And then they get to a third and eight on the 15-yard line and an incomplete pass and call Shepard's team with a call. I mean, utter, complete is unbelievable. It's inexcusable. You don't make a call right then and there. You don't let the game be decided by the officiating. And yes, it's true. The officials go both ways. And you got you got to rise above it. I understand. This is the freaking Super Bowl. And that should never happen. I love Philly. Mm. I love Philly. I don't care what anyone says. Like, sometimes they are just insane people, and I love them. And this is on air, by the way. This is during the post-game broadcast. It's live, baby. This is live, and he is just going. He's just ripping the refs in this one. I'm here for it. Did you see his co-host sitting there like, oh, dang. He, is, he gave him the <laughs> side eye, too. Like, I'm just not going to make eye contact with him. I'm not a part of this. Yep. This is all Michael. But no, I appreciate the passion because that's what I want to say half of the people watching the Super Bowl felt. That's exactly what they felt. If you were not going for the Chiefs, that's what you felt. He was the voice of the people in that moment. Mm-hmm. I just hope he's still employed and he gets a pass for that rant. There's absolutely no judgment on my part when it came to this post-game rant he had. You're right. I'm sure a lot of Philly fans were looking at this guy going, thank you. Thank yeah. you for saying something. I was thinking the same thing. However, Bump, there was some judgment on my part when it came to a post-game quote from Travis Kelsey. This is immediately following the win during an on-field interview. Man, one of y'all said the Chiefs were going to take it home this year. Not a single one. Feel that. Feel it. And on top of that, next time the Chiefs say something, put some respect on our name. I regret to inform Travis Kelsey that uh, that actually a lot of people <laughs> thought the Chiefs could win a Super Bowl. The Chiefs were one of the favored teams heading into this season. They are one of the most dominant teams in the AFC. People in your own conference construct their teams purely to yeah. beat your team. Yes. Like every team builds itself in the AFC to beat the Chiefs. But this is this is what athletes do. You gotta you gotta find a way to put a chip on your shoulder I and make guess. it seem like everyone is against you. But Travis Kelsey, you know dang well. I don't know what you're looking at on Reddit or online. Lots of people had you guys pick to win this thing, but that's just what he does. Whatever keeps him motivated, it's been working. They've sure. been winning a lot of ball games. Who was more ridiculous with their uh proving the doubters wrong speech? Travis Kelsey or Kirby Smart from the national championship game is Georgia pasted TCU 65 to 7. They didn't listen to what everybody said about them and everybody doubted them to start the year 
And that chip on the shoulder was just big enough to create an edge for our team. Kirby Smart. It's got to be Kirby. It's yeah. Kirby because yeah. Georgia was wire to wire the best team in college football this year. They're so dominant and they were so far ahead of everyone last else. Last year. National champs last year. <laughs> These players, I mean, no one was beating Georgia. Everyone looked at Georgia and were like, well, maybe someone upsets, maybe, but they're so clearly dominant. At least people kind of favored. They thought, well, maybe Cincinnati gets the better of them. Um, the NFL is a, has a little more parity. And honestly, like, yeah, more bets were placed on the Eagles. But again, it was two number one seeds. This college football. You can recruit in college football. There's no salary cap. You can get guys who come to your squad and then you can rank guys your team based on your talent. There's no way people were doubting Georgia. No. Now in the NFL, you got the Bills, you got the Bengals, obviously the Chiefs are in the mix, you got Philly, you got the Niners who look good at one point. There's, there isn't a, a, a huge gap. There's a gap, obviously, between the best and the worst in the NFL, but that gap in college football is massive. So, yeah, I got to go with Kirby. Do you think that you need that kind of, I don't even want to say it's negative motivation, but... Do you think that it is easier for people to motivate themselves assuming there is doubt from others than assuming people believe in them? Most definitely. You can relax a bit, especially when you're young. You can relax a bit and be like, look, we have the team on paper. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to win. Everyone's uh, placing bets for us to win. But when you're the underdog and you want to go and spoil somebody's season, somebody's day, I think that gives you a bit more. Also, expectations put on more of a weight. Mm -hmm. Like the freedom that you get when people doubt you is that there aren't expectations you have to meet. And that's added pressure. And that's where you start to second guess yourself and think, what if I'm not good enough? What if we can't do it again? I just think it's you're right. It's like easier to motivate when you take away expectations and instead make them low because you just continue to feel better and better as you surpass them. But it's just it becomes ridiculous when it's especially from Kirby Smart. But I'll throw on Travis Kelsey as well. Next up in the timeline, let's get to MLB. If you don't like automatic runners and extra innings. Too bad. ESPN's Jesse Rogers reports MLB's Joint Competition Committee has voted unanimously to make that rule permanent for all regular season games going forward. Do either of you genuinely dislike this rule? I like this rule. I do. I do I not my mind. Man extra. You don't no, like, I like it. You like I it? really don't mind it. Bob. Bob's going to complain about oh, it later. Bob's going to spend Bob's all four gonna lose hours. His he's going to. The Super Bowl has not. The Super, Super Bowl, Bowl didn't happen matter. in his life. The second yeah. he saw this report, he's he's going to be like, forget the Super Bowl. That's in the past. Let's talk about extra, extra runner or extra innings runners. I don't mind it at all. The only thing I don't like about this is if a pitcher has a perfect game through nine innings and it's tied, fair. You automatically lose in the tenth, and it's not because of a hit or a walk or anything that you've given up, just simply the rules don't allow for you to continue on with your per- mm. perfect Very, game. very fair I, point. I like that. I, I like that point, Curtis. I, I like that. It applies pressure right now. You're in overtime. You want to see some overtime. Extra innings. And we're going back and forth we're with the Super back. Bowl. It just happens. You, gotta, you, got, you want to apply that pressure. So that runner on second, it, it does that. It, it does something to the pitcher. does something to the defense. I, I just like that. I like seeing players perform when they feel that pressure. Yeah, I've... I've I don't know. I am uh, very down for uh, MLB's attempts. Sometimes I think it's a waste of time, but at least their attempts to uh, put more runners on base, put more uh, balls into play. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. If it's changing the rules of baseball and you don't love it, like, rules always change. Things always change. Playoffs expand, right? Like, lots of things change all the time. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, does it make the game objectively better? I don't know. I don't think it makes it worse. I don't think so either. With the exception, Curtis, of your point about perfect games. And this doesn't extend to postseason games. No. Postseason games 
will be treated like old X rated, like old timey baseball yeah. games. Back when you back in the day, back when your grandpappy was playing. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, sticking with MLB right now, Fox Sports announced Derek Jeter will be joining their baseball studio crew for the 2023 season. Mm. That captain goes mm. to the booth. You're not a fan. You don't love it. You he's, don't think he he doesn't have any personality. Yeah, but he's so famous. <laughs> sure, that's cool. But he's he doesn't have any personality. I will said, that's cool. I will give credit to A Rod that at least he has a personality. Yes. Oh, and he can make fun of himself. Same. Like his bit is that like I'm incredibly vain. Yeah. Like I've ruined everything I've ever touched, yeah. even though I've made that's millions kind of the, and millions of dollars. That's kind of the joke. What if Jeter taps into a side we've never seen before? He won't. He won't. You don't think so? No, no. I don't. I think Why would that, they hire him? Because, like, because, because his name is Derek Jeter. Jeter. Because a bunch of New York fans are going to lose yeah. their minds. Make him audition. Make him work for something. He doesn't something. have to audition. He's they, Derek Jeter. They're just, it's just, it's a yeah. dumb mistake. He went through the same audition process that Tom Brady went through with Fox <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Oh, you retired? You're done? Yeah. Come We're going to go ahead and we're going to give you the bag to have you come on and talk for us. And I mean, if he's not good, and it's kind of painful. He won't last for long. He could surprise people, right? Tony Romo surprised a lot of people. Um, Drew Brees didn't work out, right? Like, there's, it, it, there are guys that automatically get the job, but sometimes those guys don't work out, and they don't just keep it yeah. because they're famous. Curtis is just what this is is his <laughs> wife telling him he needs a hobby because he's just at home all That's the time. That's exactly what it is. Get she's out. like, get no, out. He's no longer with the Marlins anymore. He and he's used like, to make gift baskets this. and do arts and crafts. Uh, <laughs> and now it's transitioned to nothing. He's got he's all these wicker baskets laying around these, the house He's now. got all these gift baskets he can't do anything with. <laughs> all right. If you miss any part of the show, make sure you're subscribed to the Bump and Stacey podcast. The latest Seattle sports news is available right on your phone every single weekday, wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts. Please rate and review if you do subscribe and please rate Rate, review, and subscribe. Something we're still not over from the Super Bowl. It had everyone talking last night. It's the NFL's $800,000 mistake. Bumpin' Stacy, Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle's Sports Station. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Rost. The NFL had an $800,000 mistake. I mean, we didn't think it would be a mistake heading into the game. There was a uh, promotion about... Well, there's a million and five promotions about the game, but there was one where they showed the field being wheeled out of the stadium for some sun. Turns out that the NFL spent $800,000 to have uh, a sod farmer, um, you know, take care of the field that had been an ongoing plan for almost two years. Two. And even every day leading up to the Super Bowl, they would wheel it out for sun and then wheel it back in. Every and the morning. whole thing was like, wow, look at this, like, natural grass field. It's so amazing. It's immaculate. Hassan Reddick, after the game, called it the worst field he's ever played on. Looked like a slip and slide out there. Yeah, it did. It was crazy. But uh, at one point, there were a bunch of Philly players who changed their cleats. And there was a time where no one on the Chiefs changed their cleats. So that was interesting. Yeah. But you look at where they're slipping and sliding, is a lot of the times it's where the paint is. So I wonder if the farmer took into account that how the grass is going to react where the paint is out there. The first thing I thought about was uh, Germany. Because I haven't seen players slipping like that since we were in Munich watching these guys play. And that affects the game. As a, as, a, as a route runner, 
getting in, getting in and out of my breaks. It affects the game as a defender reacting to people. It changes the game. There was a play where Hassan Reddick was about to get a sack, and then he gets his weight on his inside foot, and he starts to slip. It was unfortunate. I mean, it was still a good game, but you don't want to see guys having to change their cleats like they're playing in rain or something like mm-hmm. that. So that was interesting. $800,000, two years of preparation, and that looked like the worst surface I've seen in a Super Bowl. And Hassan Reddick said that he changed his cleats. I know, Bump, you mentioned a lot of the Eagles players did. Hassan Reddick was one of them. He said, I changed my cleats and it didn't make a difference. Mm -hmm. Like it still didn't matter. Curtis, uh, you were saying you were in disbelief that they were turning to the same guy to continue to do this. Now, I haven't noticed like huge field issues with other Super Bowls. I don't know what changed for this one, but it was a problem. The guy that they used uh, has been around for so long that he was a groundskeeper for the Kansas City A's which predates the Kansas City Royals, who came into existence in the 60s. He's prepared fields for 37 Pro Bowls, seven, several World Series, and every single Super Bowl in history. He's 94 years old. Look. Curtis. If I'm 94 years old, Curtis. I don't want to be working. All right? <laughs> if I'm 94 years old, I'm hanging the sod game up. I'm hanging my mower up, <laughs> my weed whacker. It's Putting it it's away. Getting, it's before I go to the big garage in the sky, yeah. I'm putting mine up before I have to continue working. You know what they say yeah. about coaches. Sometimes the game just passes you up. That's what it sometimes, is. Sod sometimes the sod game just passed them up. Get some miracle grow out there. <laughs> That's what it was. It's just you think you know, and then before you know it, all of a sudden you're you're messing up seed types and varieties. Man, and imagine just... being this guy watching the Super Bowl. And watching these young men <laughs> slip out there, he had to feel it. And I'm sure his boys are tapping him on the shoulder. What You, you guys remember his name? We'll call him Ray. Hey, Ray. George Toma. George. Hey, George. Uh, what you do to that feel? You, you switch anything up? You try some new chemicals? What happened there? Poor George. Thankfully, he has a history of success. Because I've never, you said he did every single Super Bowl. I've never looked at a surface and been like, what's going on when I, it comes to Super the Bowl? The one game that sticks out to me in Super Bowl history with other that had bad turf was the game at Levi Stadium between the Panthers and Broncos where I think it was Michael Orr the Panthers left tackle there was a play where he was getting pushed back and he had his feet planted and then just like glided on back towards Cam Newton the quarterback it was it was awful that day uh yeah the sod father uh, so Josh Weinfuss, friend of the show, has been on for a couple of Arizona Cardinals previews during the huddle during the regular season, and he has uh, a couple opinions. I'm reading through his timeline, so this is going to sound a little jumbled, but I want you guys to hear some of his takes because he knows this stadium well. Uh, first, he retweeted Trey Wingo, who said the turf was a problem all night, and uh, as part of it, he said this didn't age well because it was a a cool tweet about the field or whatever. Josh Weinfuss says this whole, this didn't age well thing is so worn out. What didn't age well that the USGA helped fund the development of grass used at the Super Bowl. The issue is how grass at state farm always seems to be problematic, regardless of the strand, especially new sod. Um, He also said, uh, that it seems like this may be like a state farm thing. He said, for everyone complaining about the turf at the Super Bowl, know this. Lincoln Financial Field used the same grass as tonight's game, uh, including for the NFC Championship game. So, I mean, you didn't see the same complaints in that one. He said, when I talked to two NFL field directors two weeks ago, I asked them both if they were concerned about the possibility of a slick field because of how new the sod was. They both said they weren't. 
Have you ever now I've been in several backyards where new sod is down. And I'm sure the NFL prepared this field way better than my homie did in his backyard when he's laying down the sod. But it's like um it's like thinning hair. You know what I'm saying? Like it's there. You can see it. It looks full from a distance. But once you get up on it, you're like, I can see the mud. You know what I mean? And I think <laughs> that might have something to do with this. Oh, God. Uh, it sounds like it's a mix of that it's not the grass or the seed or the type used. It is that the sod was fresher and maybe something to do with State Farm and the NFL not fully preparing. Um, Control the environment. I know. Well, it's just, look. The two things sticking with us, number one, that the NFL spent almost a million dollars on a field that clearly wasn't up to standards and could have led to more serious injuries. Thankfully, it didn't, but players were not happy about it. And two, which we didn't spend a lot of time on because we've talked about it uh, quite a bit for two hours, that in the week leading up to it, Roger Goodell said, you know, I think that the officiating is the best it's ever been. And once again, this game comes down to a I think what a lot of people would say was a bad call or an ill-timed call in the final two minutes. Yeah. There's always going to be something. When have you ever watched a game that had importance to it and said, that was the perfect Everything game? Everything went well. Right? It, there's always something. It's just when it happens. And I think that as a referee, you have to have the human factor in you and say, man, if I don't, ne- if I don't absolutely have to throw this flag, I'm just going to keep it in my pocket. Because I think people rather debate them not throwing a flag than throwing a flag. Because you're saying, look, I'm going to let the, the men out there determine this game. All right. Well, the Eagles seem to have a real quarterback of the future in Jalen Hurts, but they may be short both coordinators. We'll tell you what's going on coming up in NFL headlines at 1245. Dave Wyman going to join us just before then to talk about the Super Bowl. We'll incorporate some Seahawks offseason talk into that conversation. But first, what caught our eye? Super Bowl edition. Little things standing out from this game. I got to talk more about quarterback sneaks. That's next.